0: welcome to motivationaddict.com with julie salon this is where you will find inspiring stories on how to motivate yourself and gain momentum towards success turning fear into confidence and how to find divine flow allowing you to crush your goals thank you for being here and now let's tune in to today's show
1: welcome everyone to motivation addict i am thrilled that you are here today I have Lindsay Raines as my guest today. She is an equestrian blogger and creator of Alta Mira Horsemanship, and that's a blog about foundational principles of horsemanship. She focuses on communication between horse and rider and kind training tactics. She resides in Liberty Lake, Washington with her husband, and when she's not blogging, she loves to knit and explore new coffee shops. So she's an amazing horsewoman. I had a wonderful time talking with her. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Hey everyone, Julie Salant from Motivation Addict. I am super excited today, super, super excited because I have Lindsay Raines with me. She is an equestrian blogger. She has an awesome, awesome website um, that I went on. We've had a nice conversation before we actually jumped on the Zoom and we have a lot in common. So welcome to the show. Thank you for being here, Lindsay.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to talk to
1: you. We got lots to chat about. So, yes. why don't you tell us a little bit about Altamira Horsemanship? That's the name of your company, and what you what you do with horses.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, I can give you a little backstory. So basically, Altamira Horsemanship started out as a blog, and it's kind of snowballed a little bit into an equestrian. Marketing business as well, but um, the premise is is that Altamira is the location of the caves in Spain where they found the first paintings of horses, and so yeah, and I so the Altamira, that. yeah, so the Altamira caves in Spain is where the the cavemen painted the first the earliest rendition of of horses that we have, and so the reason why I named my blog Altamira Horsemanship is because with my blog and with everything that I write about and want to, you know, put forward into the equestrian world is basically I want to get to the root of what, what is the very foundation of our connection with horses, what's been true and what's been timeless. And so essentially what I want to do is just kind of bring forth material that kind of helps, uh, equestrian men and women to connect with their horses in, uh, in a truer way, in a more simple way, and in a way that kind of can relate to all of the different disciplines. And uh, the reason why I started it is because I, I do like to write. And I've been around horses since I was about five. And I kind of started, you know, growing up in the show circuit. So, I mean, I, I took a few lessons when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, just Western riding. But then I started the show circuit and, uh, and I learned – on a lot of different horses, which taught me so much. And I'm so grateful for being able to have learned on so many different you know, equine personalities. Yes. At the same time, the kind of the methods that I was learning was really harsh. It was very much like, make your horse do this and don't let him get away with that. And you know, I loved horses, but not being taught anything else, I thought that I wasn't strong enough to control this horse. And so it was very much a control game and not a partnership game. And it didn't really become a partnership game until my mid-teens when I kind of just happened upon a new trainer. My current jumping trainer was sort of transitioning out uh, of that stable. And I, she was handing me off like every other week to this other trainer named Abby and, and Abby she was so strange. I thought she was so, <laughs> so strange at first <laughs> because we weren't getting into it. Right. We weren't like jumping and we weren't cantering and we weren't doing this amount of trotting and, and these moves and that moves. It was a lot of walking and a lot of sitting and a lot of her pointing out to me where my, where my seat bones were positioned wrong and how my position was affecting the horse. And I was like, Whoa, yeah. like, what, what's the deal with this woman and what's the deal with what she's teaching me. But, uh, in a really short amount of time i just started soaking up all of the knowledge that she had to share and so basically the the disorientation was just because she was doing all of the riding foundations over again but from the perspective of having the horse's best interest in mind and
1: yes that's awesome yeah
0: yeah absolutely it was it was totally eye opening and the thing was it was like it was almost like the missing piece of the puzzle with riding because you know we grow up horse crazy right yep and then we're taught a lot of different things about horses how we're supposed to ride and all of the technicalities of horseback riding but if we don't learn that piece of partnership it's almost like there's a disconnect between our passion and our and our deep love for these animals and and what it is to ride them and to partner with them and to be around them, like to our fullest capacity, you know, if we don't have the aspect of, of, of putting their needs first, if that makes sense.
1: That makes perfect sense to me. I mean, we were all brought up to, um, you know, you're the boss. Don't you, you show him who's the boss. And even the term breaking a horse to this day, still yes. I shudder because it's just a horrible, horrible, thought process, let alone what they go through. And fortunately, a lot of people have turned the corner. Thank goodness. Yeah. But there's a lot of that. You're the boss, not him. And I understand where that came from, probably from they're bigger than you are. That's the only way to control them. But like one of my friends always used to say, now, today, you've got to ride the mind, right? It's mm-hmm. you can control a yeah. thousand pounds. It's not happening. Right. Muscle's not going to happen. <laughs> and then let's talk about a conversation so before we get into the conversation because that's the fun part let's yes. talk about what you see as a disconnect and it goes across all disciplines across no matter what breed and it doesn't have to be ugly but tell me what you think the ramifications are and what you see as kind of the breakdown why does it happen
0: yeah absolutely I think honestly I think a big factor is just our own fear You know, I think that both with the people who are learning and with the people who are are teaching, I I think it's just been so instilled that we need to control. And that's the the center of control is fear, right? Because fear of being out of control. We're afraid of something happening. And rightfully so, you know, we are dealing with thousand pound animals. (laughs) And then we're also teaching other people to deal with thousand pound animals. And so we're, we're looking at band-aids for a lot of, a lot of problems. And I think that by having that fear as our foundation, we're, we're just thinking about self-preservation. And so it's about us. It's about us. It's about us. And then same thing with, you know, our agendas. It's all about what we need, what we want, and we, and we will go and we'll make the horse, you know, go to those links, and then we wonder why our horses are exploding on us. We wonder why they're having tantrums. We wonder why they're having you know major tension issues in their bodies, and and you know we miss a lot of um, medical issues. We miss a lot of tension problems, and a lot of really really simple simple fixes to just anxiety. The horse may be anxious about a new situation. And if we just took five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes to address it as soon as we see it, instead of thinking, oh my gosh, my horse isn't listening to me, what's going to happen? You know, because we're we're not only afraid of what our horse is going to do, but also what our friends are going to think and what our trainer is going to think mm-hmm. <laughs> and all that. And what if we don't pass this dressage test or what if we don't clear our round or... I mean, you know, more realistically, you know, what if our horse takes off on the trail? But we're thinking about all of these things that could happen, right? All of these opinions that could result, instead of just having a moment with our horse and being like, okay, what are what are they feeling? What's going on? And just being curious. And you know, curiosity is a really good antidote to fear.
1: Yeah. You, know, you,
0: you could just. You just be like, okay, what's going on right now, and just not going to that place of, oh, it's really, it's really big, and just be like, okay, my horse could be in pain, my horse could be afraid of a new situation, he might not be understanding me, he could be feeling his oats, you know, today and not yeah, yeah. listen. Yep. But that's only one of many possibilities. And I think that just the fact that we we're, we're, we're kind of wrapped up in all of these different ramifications of fear, then we kind of miss a lot of of that one on one connection with our horse, because that's almost the last thing that we're thinking about is what our horse is going through. And not, you know, not everyone all the time. But I think that when we have those disconnects, I think that's what's going on.
1: So I want to say hallelujah, (laughs)
0: because
1: that's like a huge thing, because I teach mindfulness, you're familiar with mindfulness, being present. And as I always say to everyone, you know, if you're coming to the barn, I love what you said, I gotta just say it um uh, bringing your storm to the barn that is an awesome awesome like i just you can see it in my mind visually yeah. and you're coming say you had a bad day and you had a lot of traffic you had an you know a fight with your spouse your boss got mad at you you're just having a shit day i'm just gonna say it. Yeah. And you're frustrated you're angry your tension's up here and you're gonna go to the barn and you're thinking a lot of us think i'm spending a lot of money you know, I want to have a good ride. This is my Zen place. It really truly is. But now I want something for that. I want that performance. And you're coming with all this like storm clouds around you. And then you wonder why your horse shuts down or is like, I don't want to be with you right now. Or they get nervous and afraid because all of that is you're bringing to them and they have to absorb that in the, you know, in your field. So how, how can, how can someone be more mindful of how they're even approaching their horse just in the very beginning before any tack goes on before they even start grooming? How can they, what's the best way to approach the horse and start that conversation?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's so true. You know, I mean, we come with, you know, all of our emotional baggage. We come with just like you said, like a storm of, of the day that we've experienced or what's going on in our life. And I feel like, you know, in that moment when we're even when we're just driving to the barn or when we pull up, you know, this is our place of solace, right? But we don't want to bring our chaos to our horse, which is our place of solace, right? Because yes. they're going to absorb it. They're going to absorb it into their bodies. They're going to sense it, you know, in um in our interactions with them and it's and it's like you said, like they're they're going to know when we're not being honest with them too. You know, if we put on a brave face, you know, even it, it doesn't even come down to just pretending like we're okay. Mm -mm. I think in that moment when we show up to the barn and we know that there's something going on internally, I think we have to just be our own best friend. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, 100% checking in with ourselves and like you said, being mindful, like just taking what everything that's going on, and even just you know, if you're an analytical person, listing all of those things in your mind. You know, I mean, even even if it's something small, like you know, uh, I have to take care of this thing. I sometimes I literally just be like, I will just tell myself, okay, I will do this when I get home, but and make a little plan and then set it aside. You know, yes. or. Yeah. Um, you know, or if it's like, you know, a uh, relational conflict, like, you know, that's really hard right now. Yep. And I feel really sad about it. Even just acknowledging those feelings and getting them out in the open, you know, you can feel your body relax. You can feel, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you're not accidentally unloading that on your horse or accidentally trying to shield your horse from it because there's there's that, you know, there's that layer of tension where we're trying to hold back all of the chaos and our horse is going to interpret it as there's danger because she's trying to protect me from something. Right. 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 Or she's placing the burden of, of danger on me because she wants me to take care of something, but I don't know what that something is. Right.
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense because now they're on alert even more. So now yeah. their tension's going up and here you are thinking you're going to have this perfect ride that's in your head yes. that you've seen a million times, which mm-hmm. we know doesn't always happen, right? In fact, right. more times than not, it doesn't. When it does, it's like an amazing day, like you see angels, but it doesn't right. <laughs> all the time, right? Because right. you can come to the barn, you can be a hundred percent and maybe your horse is not a hundred percent and vice versa. But I think if you can have that moment where you say, and be honest with yourself and say, you know, I have a lot of stuff going on today, emotionally, maybe I'm not where I need to be. And that's when I say, you know what? Maybe we're not going to ride today. Maybe I'm just going to give you some grass and we're going to call it a day. Because it's really fair to put all this crap on your horse. And then you expect a perfect performance on top of it. It's like, it's a lot. If you think of it from a human's point of view, it's, it's, a, it's kind of almost like, really? Like, it's kind of crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: What we're yeah. Asking. I know.
0: And it's, it's almost like we're perpetuating the same thing that might be happening to us. You know, we feel like we're being dumped on at work and we're doing the exact same thing to our horse or, you know, something of the like. We're doing the very thing that we wouldn't want done to us, you know, in a, in a human relationship. Right. And these and these horses are, are subject to us in a sense because, you know, we're caring for them And so, in a lot of ways, you know, we have even more responsibility to protect their vulnerability because they do have so much, you know, less control over their environment.
1: Right, right. We can come and go, but they're there. And they're also experiencing other riders as well around their horses. Right. So, don't forget that, too. My horse is super sensitive. So, he's so sensitive. If you, you know, took out your crop and hit your horse, just a tap or whatever. He feels it and goes like this. So they see everything. They remember everything. And one thing we were talking about was the incongruency. Um, there was a study done recently that I sent to you and where they showed the happy face and then it would have like, um, something like an angry voice behind it. So it's like, you're coming to the barn and you're like, Hey, and all this stuff's going on behind you. And they know you're either nervous, maybe it's um, a fear that you've had an injury or, and let's talk about that a little bit because I had an injury. I'm sure you've had injuries and say you are one of those riders and you're going through a little bit of a tough time right now. How do we talk to them and give them that confidence or what happens if we don't have that confidence? How do we approach them? if you're if you're still not there yet 100% what's the best way to go about that
0: yeah absolutely well i feel like like we've been saying is one just being honest with ourselves and i think i think too once we start getting into riding you know we get to that point where we're about to hop on that's still a moment that we can take to check in with ourselves and check in with our horse you know a lot of times like i you know i've seen friends with a fear of mounting their horse because they've been thrown at the mounting block So it was just such a huge source of anxiety. I mean, you know, passed out, like just such a huge source of anxiety just to get on the horse. And something that was really healing in that moment was just saying, was just her saying, you know, it was brilliant. She was at the mounting block about to get on, has her foot in the stirrup. And she said, I'm afraid that as soon as I get on, you're going to kick me off. And it was like, it was such a, it was such a huge moment. Cause like, you know, she had a friend there, you know, I was there and, and she was talking to her horse and she was opening up and being vulnerable. And then when she finally got on, she was able to celebrate that. And like you say, maybe that's enough for the day you get yeah. off and you go home. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, you, you give them cookies, you know, you groom them, you have a great time um, yeah. bonding. And I think it's. Um, giving ourselves the same grace that we would give our horses, you know, and just, um, breaking everything down into small steps, you know, everything, all of the mindfulness, break it down into small steps, you know, all of the writing. Um, and then, like you said, you know, if you've experienced an injury, maybe, uh, you have those memories that you're dealing with, you're on your horse and then all of a sudden it hits you and you're in the middle of trying to do a maneuver you know yeah. you're trying to do yeah. a figure eight in the arena and then all of a sudden oh my gosh panic what if I fall off my horse yeah and I feel like as you practice that mindfulness you get a little bit faster at catching it yeah releasing it but yeah but I'm interested in in what what you would do in that in that circumstance too. and this is funny
1: that you said that because my horse has he knows how to stand at the mounting block but I've been lax and let now he walks off and I hate that so now so I'll have a day where that's all we'll do is I'm going to get on, get off, get on, get off until, and that's it. And then we always, you always want to end on a good note, but here's the weird thing. Like my horse, because I'm an equine communicator, he told me the other day, he said, listen, you got to get out of the baby pool. I am 50% of this and I will take care of you. Like you, you are, you're not giving yourself enough credit Yeah, together a long time and you got this. So let's just this thing. And I feel like when I'm honest with him and I tell him I'm a little bit nervous today, he literally is like, "Ah, like, don't worry about it. And then I relax. They give you those calming signals and I feel like they do take care of you. If you, if you have that relationship and bond, now, if you don't have that bond, that's a totally different animal. Absolutely. Literally.
0: It's a night and day difference
1: sometimes. So what can someone do if they don't have a bond? Let's say they're not intuitive and mm-hmm. their horse is doing what they want, but they know that there's something more. They, they know there's another level. They want that bond. How can yeah. they establish that communication yeah. with their horse?
0: Yeah, that's a really good that's a really good question because I feel like, especially when you ride lesson horses, say you just ride a different lesson horse every week and – And you're just approaching a horse for the first time, you know, how do I establish some sort of level of trust with with this horse? And, you know, it's kind of a common joke that, like, you know, within the first 10 minutes of riding a horse, they're going to test you every way that they know how. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. um, And I feel like being really firm, and this is something that I think took me a long time to learn, I think being really firm in your own boundaries like where you end and they begin gives them a sense of security that you're not going to, you're not going to expect them to be the leader in your partnership. I think that's number one. You know, when, when they're trying to rush past you out of their stall, when they're trying to like test your boundaries and try to see what they can get away with, mm-hmm. hold your place, you know, like, don't, don't be punishing. Right. I don't think punishing.
1: I don't either. But not either. stay on your ground though. So they won't walk Stand all over you. Ground.
0: Yeah, Yeah, because I, I, I've been reading this week about herd dynamics and herd dynamics can actually change on a daily basis. Um, Sometimes herd dynamics, like, you know, they're, they're very fluid things. So when our horses are going back to test us, they're coming back to see if we're still going to be the leader. And I think just reminding any, whether a new horse or whether your own horse, just reminding them that you are the leader is huge in establishing that you're going to take care of them, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. They don't have to be in charge in a scary situation. Right. I think number one. And I think number two is just uh, taking little moments to be kind and to try to listen. Because horses will see when you're responding to the things that they're trying to communicate. So I think the more that you try to be a listener, notice when they're tense, notice when they're letting out a sigh of relief, notice when their head's alert and they're looking back and forth and their ears are all over the place. Yeah. The more quickly you respond to those things, the more your horse or even a brand new horse will trust you more quickly.
1: And I think think you're right on everything you just said. And I also think sometimes I'm starting to get on think, let me see the world from his point of view. Cause obviously you're much higher, but, but what is he seeing? And we know that they can hear for like up to three miles and we know they're always scanning for predators. So sometimes he's seeing something way before I do. And I'm like, what is he doing? Like looking over there and then like, you know, 10 minutes later, I'm like, Oh yeah, there's something over there. (laughs) So, you know, we're slow and stupid compared to them because they're, they're so much more heightened. So I think always having a safe place seems Mm. to work for me. So in other words, if you know you can do your circle or you can do a figure eight or something fun for them, bring out the cones, always, when you're learning something new, you always, if they get tense and something happens, you can always come back to where they're safe. You know this, you know, this little test or this area or whatever it is you're going to do. And then you both, enough to both calm down and then you try again.
0: That's a fantastic idea. Yeah, that is so cool. Yeah. Because then it's, it's, um, it's a, uh, it's a check-in point being yeah. like, okay, this is where we're okay. Now let's try to venture out again. And we can always come back. That's a, cool, yeah. that's fantastic.
1: I yeah. Yeah. Because you always want to end on a happy note, but if he's going to get good. tense and then I get tense, that's not good. Right. Two of us tense right. is not good. So we yeah. always come back to that, whatever place that is, that can be super boring, but it's a place where you're both super comfortable. You've done this a million times. So whatever that is for you, it's usually a small circle or something, or just doing a little bending or just yeah, break it up a little bit, especially if you're always doing the same things all the time. Let's talk about that a little bit because I feel like as you grow in, in your progression with them, when you do the same lessons all the time, They get super bored and they want something different. So let's, so how does changing it up, like I love cones because my horse loves cones and it's fun. It's something different. And, you know, it's kind of like putting rails out. Just, it's just doesn't have to be hard. It's just for their mind,
0: right? Absolutely. Well, horses benefit from stimulation just as much as our brains do. And I think that having something new to work on together is a great way to bond. Yeah, Like you're saying, because they get bored and, you know, it's good to have that safety zone for sure. But having something that you can work on together will definitely strengthen your relationship. And I had, you know, I had a horse for a while, his name was Chip, and he didn't bond kind of in the traditional way that horses bond. He wasn't really a big touchy feely horse, but he loved to be challenged. He loved it. Yeah. He just, it's like, he needed that engagement to feel like you were on track with him. And so if he got bored, he kind of started wiggling around and, and he wanted a challenge. And then as soon as I gave him something that he didn't expect, it was like, yes, like we are on point. And so he was, he was listening. Like he was 100% all ears. And I feel like, um, Challenges. I mean, for the more timid horse, or for you know, he was more of a confident horse. I think it kind of helps you helps you guys stretch and grow together. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And it, it's good for them, their mind too.
1: Mine's the same way because if he's doing the same thing, he's bored, right? He wants to just out of the yeah. baby pool. Let's go do something. Even if even if he's struggling and it's something new for both of us. Yeah, you know, trying the Spanish walk. You know, we're trying to get that down. Although now he's so. F- Smart. This horse is so smart. Like I teach him one time, and he gets it. And it's, wow. um, but you know, it's fun for both of us, right? And you can do it from the ground. And I feel like a lot of groundwork really helps because my horse always tests me with you know just doing some groundwork, and that's a real place of establishing just that trust.
0: Mm -hmm. not really
1: dominion over them, but you're learning how to hold your ground too without being mean, but like, no, we are going to do this. If you need a break, let's take a break. We'll come back to it, but we need to kind of push through this. What are your thoughts on groundwork?
0: Groundwork's fantastic. Yeah. I think that groundwork's a really great indicator of what goes on in the arena. And it's, it's a good litmus test too of how the rest of the ride's going to go, you know, because um, if, if, something's off in groundwork. It's either that they're, like you said, bored and they yep. need a little bit of a challenge or they're just renegotiating your partnership, just making sure that you're still there. You know, you're yeah. not just going to flop over, you know? Yep. yep. And, <laughs> like, are you <laughs> ready? Here I come. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like are, are we going to do this or what? And then, yep. um, but it's also a, a really great place to see if they're in pain, to see if they're tense that day. And, um, I think that that touch without the added weight of tack and, you know, carrying your rider weight, but being able to engage with touch is huge because they can, like you said, they can feel exactly the emotions that we're, we're putting out. And so I really think that, you know, like just when, you know, human to human, you can tell when someone's hugging you because they need you. Versus when someone's hugging, when they're giving something to you, you know, it feels totally different, right? Neither, is are bad, but, but, um, but at the same time, you know, horses can feel that too. So I feel like if you're touching them in a way that's communicating that, that you're there to be with them and you're there to be, to bond with them. I think that that goes, you know, light years towards how your actual ride will go. Or Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, and even just having that consciousness and that conversation—we're going to have a conversation today—and giving them the same grace. I love that you said that because it—you know—it's like if you came to me and we were going to go out, and you said, "You know, I'm not feeling well; I have a migraine or something," I'd be like, "Listen, go home. It's cool." So, shouldn't we? extend that same type of grace to them if if they're in pain or if they're having an off day because they're just like people as you know and they have days where they're like maybe they just aren't comfortable you know and yeah. it's nice to just be able to say it doesn't have to be a work day every day I guess that's what I'm trying to say make it fun make it playtime make but give them that grace to say you know what maybe take a day off today like just go hang I love to just let them graze and hang with them because you're still bonding. There's still, there's still a conversation going on.
0: Absolutely. And it's, and it almost to me, when, when you're allowing your horse to just be, I feel like it communicates to them that you're not always there asking for something you're right. there to too, And, and just because you're showing up doesn't mean that you need something, you know, you need, you need, you need. And I think, To something that is really crucial in training that I think is often overlooked is that rest is such a huge training tool. Someone, when I was, a couple years ago when I was living um, at a stable, you know, out here in, in Western Washington, there was a lady there named Kathy and she was an Arabian breeder and, you know, Arabs, they are so, so sensitive. I love Arabs. Yep, yep. You know they're they're so affectionate, they're so sensitive and and so she was phenomenal, and so she used to tell me you know if if you just did ten minutes of work but you accomplished the thing that's taken months to accomplish, just put them away yeah, because then what it does is that it's this instant uh, not necessarily instant gratification, but it's such a a huge shift that the horses remember exactly how what got them to that point of rest because you know a lot of horses when in the wild they're just trying to get away from pressure right right it's pressure 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 you know they're running from this or they're moving towards that and so when they're at peace that's all they really want you know right. like at the, end of the day and so to just to accomplish something and then you like yes this is all i've been waiting for and then just hop off that's rub it. them down give them some cookies. Put them away, let them out to pasture, they'll remember that, yeah, because their memories are so great. yep, so rest is such a great training tool. Yeah, you
1: can't I mean, I used to know somebody that rode every single day. I mean, she'd ride if it was minus 10 with eight feet of wow. snow, she'd ride <laughs> if it was a hundred degrees, and I'm like, okay. no, I mean, you know, I wear a vest, so here you are, say 85 90 degrees, and you've got a helmet and gloves uh, boots and boots a- <laughs> thanks. I mean literally one time I almost fell off cuz I was like dehydrated and it's like wow. Think of them too, right? I mean they're working in that type of heat as well. It's not just you out there. So keep it short, make it fun, but as you said, you know, I think it's important that you when you accomplish something, you end on a good note, make it and they'll remember, you know, what they needed right. to do to get there and that they have that release cuz it's kind of a release for them like okay, yeah. we're done. It's okay. We don't have to go Every, sometimes people are are under the thought process of, you know, it has to be an hour or whatever that time frame is in your mind. For Mm -hmm. me, I was taught it takes as long as it takes. So if you're trying something new, let's go back to the mounting block. If we did it perfectly once or twice, and Mm -hmm. then we did something else for fun, I could call it a day right then and there. I don't even ride a long time. I can go out there for like 20 minutes and I'm good. Like it doesn't have to be this gargantuan, epic, Right, and or you know what you could do you could just say let's get out of the ring let's go for a little walk around whatever that's fun that's different unless you do it all the time but just something that's a little bit more stimulating like you said
0: right and even like a, a change of scenery is kind of like a double like it's almost like a a double blessing because it's rest from what they were working on yeah but it's also something new so it's still stimulating and it's something new you can do together so it's almost like getting the best of both worlds. In that.
1: Yeah. Point. Yeah. Now let's take it a step farther. And let's just say that you did something and you're done. You're going to go do something new and different, but then your horse is sensitive and they get like, uh, uh, okay, now what? Now we've gone up to this next level. Yes. What do you do then? All I can think of is we got to go back to that safe place or we have to do baby steps. What do you think?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the safe place is a brilliant idea when that happens. And I feel like it doesn't even have to be the same thing you were working on together that day. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, because this is where it's kind of nuanced because it doesn't have to be like, oh, like let's coddle them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, What I've found has actually been really helpful is uh, like, for example, Chip was really he would not like to leave the barn property. He could ride anywhere on the barn property, but if he was leaving by himself, he panicked, right? Yeah. And so one time I took him too far, you know, because I was like, I know he could do this, right? And yeah. <laughs> you know me, yeah. I'm like, I totally know he could do this. And this was something that I pushed my agenda a little too far because I thought that he could do it. And, um, and he was like, no, I can't. And so, but at the same time, he had gotten so far without panicking, right? Yeah. So I didn't want to just run all the way back and say, you know, um, you know, oh, yeah, you can't do this. You're right. You know right, I mean? right. So, right. Um, so what I did was, is, you know, like in a situation like that, I could just go back and forth, kind of back and forth across the barn. So yeah. where it's not, we're not going home because he got afraid, but at the same time, we're getting comfortable in a smaller version. Yeah. Of- and then do the reward. Like, exactly. look how far you've come, right? Exactly. And, then yeah. you, and
1: then you'll use that as your point. Right? I would use that right. as my point, right? And then mm. push a little farther the next time, but then exactly. can go back to that point in a safe place. And I'm a big fan, believe it or not. And I, I do baby steps, but I'm happy to walk first, if yeah. my horse will get nervous if we're doing something new and there's a lot of places to walk around the property, which we really haven't done yet. So yeah. I'm going to take him in hand and just walk him around and make sure that he knows it's okay. And like you're establishing that boundary, even though, but the boundary's growing. So it's yeah. still okay. It's yeah. just it's safe. And then yeah. you can get on there like, Oh, I've been here before. I know what, to, right. I got this. So it's not just like, Holy shit. You know, cause sometimes <laughs> sometimes horses are good with it and they don't care. Some are not. If your horse travels all the time, you show a lot. It's probably no brainer. But if you if you're not like I don't really show that much at all, he can get a little nervous getting farther and farther from his friends. God forbid. So do you know what I mean? They get a little like sour. So yeah, and, and I she's a different point of of um, comfort level for them.
0: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And like you said, it's like we could be pushing the boundaries just the same amount every time, but in the process. All of a sudden, they have a huge space of comfort zone, whereas they started with this much. But we've yeah. been expanding it a little bit, a little bit. I actually had, I used I interviewed a friend of mine, Karen. She had a rescue horse, and this horse went through horrendous things. Like, he had been in such a horrible trailer accident because someone had tied him up too tight, and, and like, the majority of this face got peeled off and, you know, his nose got shattered and oh, it was, it was horrible. And then he was mistreated before and after that. And, um, you know, and he was also not socialized. And so he wasn't a super social horse. Um, he, I think he had run in a herd of stallions, but that was about it. And so, um, so he, you know, (laughs) not super socialized with people. He'd run in a herd of stallions, not kind of like a mixed herd, you know, where he got to know different personality types. And so he was kind of a rougher horse. And so when they tried working with him, the intent was to break him right to his, you know, break his spirit and, and they did break his spirit, you know? And so Karen got him after his spirit was broken after, uh, after his face had been broken, he had gone through like medical rehab and he had gone to a rescue ranch that did wonders for him, you know, because he got to be socialized with a lot of different people. But the ranch said basically, you know, we need, he needs one person to just love on him. Mm-hmm. And, and she did, and she loved on him for the rest of, of his life. And what she said that she did was that was really effective is that she would go out with kind of a plan because he had so many different things that he was afraid of Yeah. And she just was like well we'll work on them one by one and um but some days he would tell her no we're definitely not working on this but he would allow her to work with him on like walking through a puddle of water which he was completely afraid of you know a month ago mm-hmm. and so she kind of let him tell her you know what he was ready to to handle and so she just kind of followed that path with him and soon enough he was he was a really really good horse and he'd conquered a lot of fears
1: and there and there you go if you have that bond and there's trust there yeah. then they'll tell you what they're comfortable at and i think a lot of people they just have to look and have that moment and clarity of is my horse really afraid or yeah. are is he acting up because right. there are there are both sides of the coin my horse never pretends he, yeah. he if he's genuinely afraid he's genuinely afraid. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And you have a plan, you have a plan, you have a plan, you have a backup plan, another backup plan. So even if you're on the ground, which as you said, is a great indicator, which it totally is, because sometimes he's a little excited and sometimes he's a little slow and I'm like, yes, you know. Um, But yeah, I think that's important if you have that bond to begin with, which is where all that communication stems from. So having that conversation of instead of, you know, it's all about me and my agenda, and this is what we're doing today. It's more like, how are you feeling today? And let's see how he acts. And, you know, I, I think I'd like to do this, but if not, we can do something different. Right?
0: Absolutely.
1: You know, how How do you, we always talk about horses healing people. How, what's been your experience with horses healing you and, and changing and impacting your life?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I think like a lot of us, uh, ho- you know, we've had a horse that's seen us at our most vulnerable moment, um, and I had I had mine. His name was Shadow, and to this day, he's still my favorite horse that ever walked the earth. And uh, I mean, he was just he was just a little bay Arab quarter horse mix, and um, he happened to be the first horse that I ever rode. So my grandparents lived in Northern California. I lived in San Diego, Southern California, and. Um, my mom, when I was about five, she had me co- go take lessons when we visited our grandparents. So I maybe rode him like eight times, you know, throughout the, when i between ages five and six, but oh my gosh, he was the reason why I fell in love with horseback riding, right? Uh-huh. Just little putzing around the arena and stuff. Um, and then, you know, I went and I showed and, um, I did a lot of stuff in Southern California, um, doing the show jumping circuit, kind of went away from Western pleasure riding. And then, um, You know, right around the time where I was learning a lot about from Abby, that trainer who was kind of reteaching me about horsemanship, Um, my dad passed away. Mm. It was super, super fast. I was 14. Um, He he got diagnosed with brain cancer and then he died three months later on the, like to the day. It was very fast. And I was, I'm one of those types of people who feels things so huge, but I don't want to be vulnerable about it. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, nope. I'm just not going to feel this. This is too big. I can just live in my mind. You know, like it was very much a consistent concerted effort to just not feel. It's like I just shut down. But the thing is, is that when you try not to feel things, those feelings become something else because they have to do something. And so by not dealing with the grief of my dad passing away, I went into this terrible depression. Like I got super, super depressed. My mom got really worried about me because it was like, I was just not really caring about life. I wasn't being careful when I was driving. You know, I got into like two accidents and it was just, it was nuts. Like I was um, not caring as much about schoolwork or I let go of a lot of things that I love to do. And then um, finally I started approaching being able to heal like, and I thought, okay, I finally caged. And I was like, okay, I'll go see a therapist. So I'll try opening up like all of this grief or whatever. And it was, I mean, it was heart wrenching. And, but it was at at the same time, it was just like, I didn't really care whether I felt happy or sad. I was just kind of content being numb. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think I was going to be excited about anything ever again. And then, um, one summer, when I first started going walking through grief counseling, um, I got a phone call when we were going up to see my grandparents in Northern California, California, and we got a phone call that my grandparents' next-door neighbors had bought a new horse, and his name was Shadow, and he was that same horse that I rode when I was five years old. Wow. Yeah. And the, and the neighbors were like, yeah, do you want to come ride in? And, you know, we have another horse. Well, and then, so my grandparents next door neighbors had a teenage daughter the same age as me. She was like, yeah, we'll go riding. And she was adventurous and she loved running through the hills. And it was, we just walked down through the forest. They lived near Yosemite National Forest. And so we just get to the main trailhead that heads up a hill. And it was like the moment shadow started opening up on the trail, I was like, I felt something again. Yeah. I felt an excitement. I felt like, okay, I, I want to live, you know, like I want to be happy again. And it was just such a turning point for me in my journey because like, how did, I mean, I mean, it had to have been God, you know, yeah, I mean, like, how do you,
1: like, you- can't even,
0: no, that's just- yeah, I, yeah, there's
1: a million horses in the world. I mean, and that (laughs) one right then and there at that time, I mean, there's no other way that could have been anything else.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, you know, it just, you know, they don't, I don't know if horses realize how much they, they impact our lives, but I'm so grateful that we have, that we have animals that, that can both carry us and that we can carry them at the same time, because that symbiotic relationship that kind of like interreliance is is something that you know I've never seen with any other animal and it just I mean I'm so grateful for you know having horses because you know at the end of the day you know no matter what discipline you do and no matter how well you're riding it all comes down to that connection. Yeah. And still like I mean in my later adult life you know I've every time that I've had a really hard season, I've had a horse to walk through it with, you know, because they teach us patience and they teach us how to work through our problems, you know, instead of just bottling everything up because they're going to reflect all of our emotions back to us. Right. And so that's something that, you know, Chip, when um, my, my horse, um, he really taught me when I was going through a rough time, like, you know, um, you have to do something with this because he was reflecting all these emotions back to me. So I knew that I was still not dealing with him. So, yeah. and like the more I was able to let go, the, the more smooth like our time together was. Right. Right. You know. Right.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that. I completely agree with you because I had a similar experience. So, you know, um, when I was younger, I was getting into some, a bad crowd at school and my father, we moved a few times and then my father said, you know, he finally gave in and said, you know, I said, if we move this time, like if I have to go somewhere again, like it was six places in six years due to just the way wow. that things felt, you know, happened. Um, then, you know, I, I gotta get a horse or something. Like I gotta get something. I was, I was just hanging out with bad people yeah. at, at high at high school and that saved me because obviously as you know, you know, at the barn you're, you're grooming and you're picking up stuff yeah. and cleaning and, and that and my my mother didn't really believe in it because I'm the only rider but my father and I are very we're very close and he said like either it's this or a therapist but wow. the horses have always been my therapy because they've been the only ones that accepted me so that's why it's like amazing to be around them because they're the master teachers they accept you but they correct you just like they do in the herd but the mm-hmm. correction's quick and then it's done they don't hold yep. it against you they don't think about it all the time like we do yeah. they don't they just, you know, bang and it's done. And, or, you know, you correct them and it's done. Like that's, they teach us how to be better humans.
0: They're so forgiving. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They teach us how to be better humans. And
1: that's what we have to learn is to let, like, let things go and forgive. I mean, all the things that have happened to that horse, you know, and he still forgave her and they had a great relationship, you know, all the rescues that I I've had, same type of thing, you know, they just forgiven this, you know, move forward, which is like, Amazing, because a lot of humans can't forgive something stupid like being cut off in traffic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> you have to take it as a, a lesson. You know, yeah,
0: five people were angry with on the way home from work.
1: <laughs> yeah, right, right. Tell. We talked a little bit offline about how equestrians can support each other, and I know I I would. I know we're getting like low on time, and I'd love to have you back for another. We can have a whole conversation about that, because. um, My experience has been that equestrians do the stiff upper lip and, um, you know, hopefully you're getting better. And it's, if you've had an injury or fallen off or something like that, and it's always genuine, but there's a lot more that we could do just quickly in a nutshell. How do you think we could support each other better? No matter what discipline we, we ride, no matter what breed horse we have, how could we be better humans toward each other around our horses and at the barn?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is huge because, you know, barn culture can be super, super um, supportive or it could be super toxic just because we're seeing each other at our best and our worst. And our worst. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we all have days. Let's be real. We all have days. days. Yeah, (laughs) we do. You know, we all have this, you know, this common love of horses, but I feel like there's such an expectation of knowing everything about horses because you have a horse. And I feel like what we can do to support each other is um, one, be real about what we're going through. You know, I mean, just admit, you know, you have like stuff that you're going through with your horse, you know, or with your riding, like don't, if you have like a a weakness or a vulnerability, I feel like just being able to be open about it and just be lighthearted about it goes like does wonders as 100%. hundred percent yeah and then I think the other thing too is that being able to be helpful when asked and you know non-judgmental of course but just being that person that's you know there for other people at the barn but not in a way like yeah like condescending yeah yeah yeah
1: Yeah, because
0: I think we do that when we feel insecure you know I I've done it like I, and I've been like on the receiving end of it and it sometimes it happens like without us even thinking, but I think just going with the intention of, of just being, being supportive and, and just like having, you know, everyone's horse's best interests at heart and just being that considerate barn person. But definitely I think the biggest part I think is just being able to just be real about where you're at with your journey and. And I think it opens up the floor for other people to just feel comfortable about where they're at with their journey.
1: I think everybody is going through something at one time or another. There's not a rider out there, a pro or amateur that has not gone through a moment where they've been afraid, nervous, uncomfortable. I mean, it happens to every, we're all humans and these are big animals and they are quick and they turn quickly and things happen. And and I think if you could just say, one, like you said, be real about it. Like I'm, I'm having a little bit of a struggle in this area. Like people would always ask me, you know, um, hey, let's go for just, you know, a, a cool out walk or something. And I'd be like, oh no, I have to go. I have a lot to do or whatever. The truth is I was really afraid because I wasn't comfortable because I was afraid I was going to get hurt again. And I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. And that is ridiculous. That's so stupid. Like. When you think about that, it's like, I don't know why we're trying to pretend everything's perfect, but it's yeah. not. And I think if you just said, maybe I'm a little nervous for whatever reason, then they can, they can maybe say, you know, if you could just, how can I support you? Yeah, it, Just that those words would go a long way in my opinion, just like, how can I support you? Because yeah. that's how we can help each other. And it's up to you to say, you know, I'm okay today. Like it's good, but thanks for offering or, but I just feel like there's a lot more that we can do to help each other get through some of the rough patches that we've had. Cause we've all had them and we're all humans and we have bad days where we're just like, I mean, I've had days where I have gotten all geared up and I've literally just, if there were like five people in the indoor, I'm like, forget it. I'm not doing it. Cause I don't ride with a lot of people because there, I have a yeah. big horse and I'm not comfortable. So honestly I'll, you know, I'll just, and he looks at me like, Oh really? Like <laughs> we're already to go, you know, but if, if it's, you know, 10 feet of snow outside and there's nowhere else to go and everybody's in the indoor fighting for this much right. space, I'm like I'm just right. going to wait till a better time. I'm not doing it. But yeah. I think if we could just support each other. I think it'd be helpful. I think it'd be a, a nice place to start.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Tell us about your book because I know you're writing a book and I'd love to know more about it.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, my book is just kind of an extension of my blog. So, basically, it's called um, Basics of Building Trust with a Horse, and it's just like it sounds. Cool. So Uh, we walk through three sections. So one is, you know, how does your horse communicate both to other horses and how does your horse communicate to you? Because there are certain things that horses just mostly do with humans. And, uh, and then there are things that are universal between horses and then how they communicate with humans too. Uh, And then the next section is how do you bond with your horse? So we talk about boundaries, about partnership, about doing things just just to bond, you know, not to have an agenda. Um, and then, you know, how to pick up on fear and how to pick up on pain and that sort of thing. And then, um, the third section is to how to train and ride your horse, you know, knowing all of those things. Awesome. um, The the book is kind of like, I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of good books out there about training. So why add mine? Right. But like there's, uh, I, um, I want to come from the place of what we talked about of, uh, of knowing what it feels like to not know what's going on or um, not feel like I'm the best rider. you know, cause I've never been the best rider. You know, I've never been great at understanding horses, but just coming from a learner's perspective, someone who might not be able to afford, you know, a fancy trainer or um, you know, be able to do lessons consistently. Like what can we do, um, just to improve our bond with our horse so that our riding and our training, um, kind of springboards from there.
1: Yeah. I love that. I love that because I'm the same way, you know, it's like, I've never been the best rider. I'm not the worst and I'm not the best. I'm probably somewhere in the middle, but we can always learn more. And if you might be in a position where you don't have access to a, a top trainer or, your trainers maybe not the right fit for you there. And so the communications breaking down, there's, there's a lot to that too. So I think that, that this is perfect for everyone because these are the, the building blocks and I completely agree with you. It's not about, there's a lot of trainers out there. We're not competing yeah. with trainers right. and I'm not bashing trainers either because they do, no. they do really great things yes. um, that I could never do, you know, getting on these two year olds and training them and, and giving yeah. them all that um, experience yeah. But there are things that you can teach others from your experience as to how to bond, maybe getting through some of that fear. And I love the boundaries. I mean, we could talk about boundaries too next time because oh, that's yeah. a huge, huge thing. Especially if you've been a nice person like me and taught to people please, yes. that's a big deal.
0: Oh gosh. We could talk a whole hour about how horses has taught me how to not be a people pleaser. And we need
1: to do that. because. Yeah. Because I came from that culture of being the nice girl and always wanted to people-please. And I always people-pleased until just a few years ago when I was like, listen, this is not working for me. And it doesn't mean you have to be mean. I am the nicest person on the earth and I'm completely against anybody hitting their horse. I'm, I'm fine with correction, but there's a difference between abuse and all that. But boundaries with horses are Huge.
0: Huge.
1: And I, will give you examples and I'm sure you'll give me examples, but there are things that we can do to, as we said, you just make that little correction. They're like, Oh, Oh, okay. She's serious today. I can literally hear that. Like she means it today. I'm like, yeah, I mean it today. I mean, but otherwise they walk all over you. they are a thousand pounds. I mean, they literally can just, my horse used to walk all over me. And so my, I was like, what am I doing wrong? My friend's like, you need to teach him that he can't do that anymore. It's not cool. Yeah. Just like if you have a baby and they whine all day, and, and you just are let them do it, it's like it's it. You don't want a big baby that's a thousand pounds that thinks that everything that they do is okay, because they can hurt you, and hurt other people, and then it can escalate into the biting, and it's it's not cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that if. If we, you know, if more people practice boundaries with their horse, there would, horses, there would be less abuse because their horses would be less confused about what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. Yep. And then people won't like, you know, because, you know, we all do this, especially with people pleasers. We'll bear it. We'll bear it. We'll bear it. We'll bear it. And then we'll snap. Right. right. I feel like that's what happens a lot with abuse too. Right. So if we can just learn how to exercise those healthy boundaries, the horses don't get confused. We don't get as frustrated. And then we can kind of just create that healthy...
1: Yes. Because actually when you snap, it's so much worse because a lot of times when you snap, it can be the smallest thing. And then they're like, where is this coming from? Like what is going on right now? You know what I mean? So yeah, we could talk about boundaries and we should, because I don't, I've never been anywhere where anybody talked about boundaries unless I literally was raising my hand going, I need help. And I, I did that and my friends helped me, but that's um, a big deal. And, and horses in the wild, they establish their boundaries all the time multiple oh, yeah. times a day it's like yeah. it's not cool that you're biting me it's not cool that you're bearing your teeth to me i'm not having it today and you know this is my butt or i'm walking away or whatever the case may be so why
0: shouldn't we talk their language exactly especially if it's meeting them on their level for one and then two um you know the it's it's something that they can understand
1: they understand clearly oh. yeah
0: and i i've been you know researching these herd dynamics and with the herd dynamics all horses want is to be at peace and something that one researcher was saying is that the more clear who the herd um stru- uh, structure is or um hierarchy yeah um, or at peace, the herd is. If there's constant like question of like, okay, who's the leader now? Who's the leader now? Well, this is how it was yesterday. This is how it is now. The herd's going to be in a little more chaos than if there's a really well-established order.
1: Same thing with humans. Yeah. Same thing with humans. Who's going to be the leader today? Right. And you want that respect. That's another thing you talk about, respect in the, the you know, what if your horse doesn't respect you? There's so many things to talk about. <laughs>
0: Yes. I know. It's just like a huge, it's like like this one thing, topic that we kind of overlook, but it's like, it has such far reaching implications with everything else. It
1: does. And and here you are expecting your best ride ever, right? Like if the more I say that, the stupider it sounds to me, like, really? Like.
0: But it's true. We all think that way.
1: We all think that way. And we want, we want that great ride. And we, we want to be that 50% I want Mm -hmm. to be that 50% partner. I want to hold up my end of the deal. And my end of the deal is to be kind to you and give you boundaries and Mm -hmm. you'll take care of me and I'll take care of you. And nobody's going to let each other down. And that diminishes the expectations are both of you have the right expectation. We know where each other is. And, Everybody will be happier, and it's, it, it's not that um, the person the horse is a bad horse anymore because I think the breakdowns the horse takes the brunt of that a lot of times, and that's not fair right the human right. doesn't get it and and mm-hmm.
0: yeah, so exactly and then misunderstandings ensue
1: not good I'll, not good well, I think at least we've solved one world problem today. What do you think? <laughs> yeah.
0: I would call that good. Yeah. Well, I I can't
1: thank you enough for coming on, Lindsay. Where can people find you so that they can reach out to you, get your book and they can find out what you're doing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at altamirahorsemanship.com. So that's where I have all of my articles and I have a landing page there for my book. If you want to hear news of when it's going to be released and also pre-release, um, you know, special discounts. Okay. You can sign up for that specific email list there. And then I'm also on Instagram, uh, yeah, at Altamira Horsemanship. And, um, I just started a YouTube channel, so I'll be getting a little more active there, but Instagram for sure. Definitely my blog. You can also find me on Facebook. Um, Post articles and funny horse memes. About sweet, sweet, yeah. awesome. When's your book gonna be released? So we're looking at late August.
1: So. Oh wow, that's right around the corner.
0: Yeah, I know. Wow.
1: Good yeah. for you. Good for you. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I knew it would be, and I'm so thankful and honored that you could be on the show today. So thank you for being here. Yes,
0: thank you for having me. It's awesome. Been
1: great. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. All right, everyone, you guys have a good night and thank you for being here.